Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we talk about the 2011 film Your Highness. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. Good eve to you, sire. Good morrow, my liege. <laughs> How are you on this fine uh, fantasy-themed day? I'm fine, thank you. Are we, yeah, are we doing a fantasy theme or are we just talking like Russell Brand? <laughs> I was doing a fantasy theme. If you start talking like Russell Brand, I might have to murder you. No, but the, he, he kind of used to be a bit like that, didn't he? Now he he's, did, a little bit seri- yeah. he's still serious, but yeah, he used to be a bit like, all right, my liege, my bookie <laughs> That's work. true. That's Nobody true. remembers that, do they? No, they remember him being a political guru and now being an anti-vax um, conspiracy theorist. Yep, that's what happens to all of them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, every single one. All of us have our turn <laughs> in the conspiracy theory YouTube sphere. At yeah, some point. That's true. Ours is, ours is coming up probably yeah. this year. Once we get past episode 300, I think that's going to be it, isn't it? Uh, then we're turning into big boys don't lie, and we're going to bring you ah. the truth. The true news. That was the yeah. name of Russell Brand's thing, wasn't it? The truths. <laughs> the truths. We're, we're just going to become yeah. that, basically. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to start wearing neckerchiefs and um, start wearing really low-cut shirts. That's what you do anyway, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's my that's what I'm wearing right now, as you can see on the on the video call. Low cut shirts has been your vibe forever, <laughs> ever since I've known you. It's true. I do like a low cut shirt. Give me a give me a V neck, or give me a, a shirt that I can unbutton to an unseemly amount. That's that's how they they did it back in the the medieval fantasy days, back in the King <laughs> yeah, Arthur exactly. days. That's how it that's you'd, how it was. You'd have one of those shirts that ties up at the top. I don't know the name, like the medieval tunics, where they have a little tie at the top. Yeah. And then my my style was always leaving it slightly more untied than is seemly. As if everyone knows from seeing you that you can buckle a swash. Exactly, yeah. I am a, a big fan of the swash buckling, as it were. Me too. So in honour of today's fantasy episode, I was listening to a lot of, you know, like power metal today. Oh, um, very good, very good. And when you, when you get... So I picked up my son from nursery at the end of the day, and when you get um, in the car, the car's got Bluetooth, right? So it connects to your phone and then immediately starts playing whatever you were last listening to. And usually I, I'm on it before and I ask him what he wants to listen to and we listen to Sesame Street or whatever song, whatever like song or an audio book that he wants to listen to. But today it got on and I'd asked him and he was being indecisive, so it started playing some Dragon Force and he was like, I'd like to listen to this. So I was like, okay. Excellent. On the way home, we're listening to Dragon Force. And he said, I like this. I mean, it's it's good music for that age group, isn't it? Because it's low on swears, low on adult content in general, and it's fun and upbeat and exciting music. So yeah, yeah no surprise. I think he there. really enjoyed it. Um, and I was like, they're playing their guitars really fast, aren't they? He said, yeah. 
<laughs> he didn't really say anything, but I could <laughs> yeah. tell he was enjoying it. If he actually says that he, he likes it, he was enjoying it. it yeah. That means he likes it. That, that's yeah, that's the thing. There's oh, no that's yeah, very good. There's no rude stuff. It's not like it's not like. Um, it's just one of those days when you don't want to wake up. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't play him any new metal just yeah, yet. <laughs> no, he's not. He was too young for got my life in two pieces. You could you you could get away with Linkin Park. Don't swear, do they? Not much. No, the, I there's, think the first couple of Linkin Park albums there's no swears, but then the subject matter is sometimes a bit dark. Anyway, yeah. Whereas I don't mind him listening to Dragon Force sing about like elves and wizards and battles and stuff. Yeah, you know? exactly. Occasionally the themes get a little bit dark, but he actually like really likes fantasy and like sort of. We don't have loads of like kids' picture books that are like high fantasy, but he's he's latched onto the idea of like magic and being a wizard, and he actually really likes it. Um, Excellent. And so I think he got the idea that that was what it was about. So he must be relatively close to an age where you can read him or he can read The Hobbit and getting up to the age of Earth's, the first Earthsea book and things like that. We haven't started reading any like prose, long-form prose mm. stories yet. The, mm. We still only read self-contained stories. But I think what it, it'll be probably a couple of years and then I can probably read him yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, nearly there. That'll be great. But we've got a few like disney picture books that do that kind of thing but he's also really into like robots and space and stuff but yeah he loves to do magic obviously <laughs> so what you're saying is between everything that ursula Le Guin ever wrote your son is going to be a great fan of everything between the sci-fi and the fantasy absolutely but even he i think would watch your highness and know that it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> So what what did you think of your highness I mean, then? I really wanted to like this and maybe I went in with <laughs> high expectations but it was I didn't enjoy it that much. I didn't hate it. It wasn't awful yeah. but I wanted more from it. I wanted proper silliness and it, in a way it was kind of the way I think I'd describe it is it's the wrong side of the dick joke line. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I may this have said movie that before about some other movie. <laughs> we have to, was it was it about um knocked up I think it might have been about not potentially up. Um, yes. Yeah. In my memory, that's one too many dick jokes. One too many dick jokes. One too many not gay jokes. And that's the problem oh, with this movie, yeah. isn't it? Is there's there's moments of brilliance in it where it goes into the Holmes and Watson territory of farce. Yes, but too too often it rolls back round to trying to do that bro comedy. Where actually, if you leaned a little bit more into the absurdity and made it stupider, where there was even less intent to do anything that the audience could relate to, I think it could have worked far better. Yes, that's exactly right. It's It has a lot of tonal shifts and it sort of really jumps around in its humour in a way that most of the time it falls flat because it's like, instead of, yeah, actually making some absurd situation... We're just going, aha, wouldn't it be funny to make a dick joke in the register of high fantasy? Yes. And 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 the first couple of times that happens, or when it does it in a vaguely interesting way, it's very funny. Um, one line of dialogue in this movie that I think is going to stick with me for a very long time is that thing is a dickless traitor. Which made me laugh an <laughs> awful lot. Um, and those kind of moments where it, it leans into the absurdity of fantasy settings 
and just runs with it, I think is really good. And there's a few set pieces here and there that work really well. But it's so... It doesn't let itself off the leash, does it? I think is the main problem. Where it, no, it, it, it relies, comes across as a bit half It relies it? too much on trying to be like a super bad-esque, knocked up-esque, um, 15-year-old boy comedy when this should have been... Which is not a bad aim. I don't object to that in principle. But 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 it relies so heavily on those tropes that it never really quite makes it. So so I think because when we talked about this last week, I remember it being funny. And what I remember were those key scenes, which are very funny in this film. And that's what I remembered going into it. But then what you don't remember after having not watched it for several years is everything between those moments... <laughs> Which is kind yeah. of just fumbling along, saying, "Ha I'm I'm a bro who would normally be smoking weed in a frat house, but I've got a sword and long hair." Which is basically the main joke of this entire yeah. film. All of the bros are putting on bad English accents. That's funny for an hour and forty-five. Minutes. I mean, legitimately, I'm going to say that is funny in the same way that Holmes and Watson's <laughs> accents were funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that, I didn't mind that. It is funny that he cuts off a minotaur's penis and wears it around his <laughs> neck. And yes. the film show it does genuinely show you. I, that. I watched this a few days ago, and I was re. I made some notes, um, as I sometimes do when I feel like I might forget things. Um, and I had I had Minotaur cock written down in my notes, and that was it. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, okay, that's what I mean by that. I haven't just written down. I had that written down, too. That was my very last note. It just says, a Minotaur's cock. <laughs> that's um, that's a Dragon Force song, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's their new I single. <laughs> um, so so let, let's do a little bit of a plot recap of Your Highness. So Your Highness... Um, stars Danny McBride as the second in line to a throne in a high fantasy kingdom. His brother, the older brother, is James Franco, and he is the dashing explorer-adventurer who saves the world. Danny McBride is the one who stays at home and gets high and gets drunk and, and, and sleeps with people. He's the layabout brother who lives in the basement and plays video games. Yeah, if you've ever watched Step Brothers, the the Will Ferrell comedy, he's one of the Step Brothers, essentially. Right. I have not seen um, that, and that seems like the kind of thing that we should watch. Because I mean, it's, Will it's, and it's John C. Ryan? yeah, it's it's Holmes and Watson again. It's it is Holmes and Watson again. It is it is rather funny. Um, so so essentially, what happens is they have to go off on an adventure to go and save James Franco's bride for some reason, played by Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> I don't know. We'll talk a bit about the cast and how on earth they managed to get this many good people. It is an all-star cast. That's um, genuinely you can't stop thinking, literally, for an hour and 45 minutes. Why is Charles Dance in this? Why is genuinely an incredible cast? Why is Natalie cast? Portman in this? There is a reason why Natalie Portman is in this, and I'll talk about that when we talk about the casting. Um, is so it because they paid her lots of money? I'll, I'll, I'll go over it in more detail in a bit. Um, right. So what has to happen is that James Franco um, and Danny McBride, along with uh, Courtney, Danny McBride's squire, have to go off on an adventure to go and save Zoe Deschanel from an evil wizard played by Justin Theroux. An excellent <laughs> um, performance. A, an incredible performance. Really love his performance in this film. Um and basically then stoner comedy hijinks ensue and there's there's the odd set piece which is really funny but between those set pieces it kind of lags and it's just them walking through um northern irish forests 
basically um for for, for most of the movie um but yeah that's that's the general plot but yeah let's talk about the casting because <laughs> this this movie has an incredible cast we've got danny mcbride and james franco as our, our brothers we've got natalie portman as the female lead um justin theroux as the wizard you've got charles dance as the king joey Destinel as the damson in distress but damson. then you've got Dad, <laughs> i say damson <laughs> The yeah, joke, the, isn't it? The, the forbidden, the the forbidden fruit. Yeah, um, there must be like what you call a what do you call a plum in a bowl that needs yeah, rescuing. Yeah, yeah. What do you call a a plum in a tower? A damsel in distress. Yeah, something like and that. That's why we're not stand-up comedians. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you've also got people like Toby Jones, Damian Lewis in in supporting roles as you well. Get to see Toby Jones's naked man ass. <laughs> you do. You do. Um, Damien Lewis is really good at this, and you're watching it just going, what's Damien Lewis doing in this? And, and and that's one of the real weird things about this movie, is that actually, outside of our main two characters, James Franco and Danny McBride, I'd say a lot of the performances in this movie are amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Like Damien Damien Lewis is the heel turn betrayal person and Toby Jones is the weird, obviously betraying person. You've got Justin Theroux as the evil wizard, Charles Dance as the King is great, Natalie Portman as the um badass woman character. Sexy plays, warrior plays lady. off plays off that really well. Everyone in this film, apart from our main duo, uh <laughs> are really leaning into it and hamming it up to a perfect extent. And I think they're um, not bad, but because the other performances are better. Or maybe it's just because they're not on screen for as much time so you appreciate their performances more. That, you know, the the, inter- the interplay between James Franco and Danny McBride starts to get a bit tedious quite quickly. But yeah, it just makes them look a bit rubbish, doesn't it, compared to the rest of the cast who are working hard. Yeah, and I think it also comes down to who appears in what scenes because we've got Danny McBride and James Franco in every scene in this movie, essentially. So they're the ones in the bits where it's kind of lagging. Um, whereas whenever Damien Lewis is on screen, whenever Justin Theroux is on screen in particular, those scenes feel particularly um, exciting and engaging. Um, the only scene I can think of that is purely Danny McBride and James Franco, which is funny, is when they go to see the weird um, toad wizard man. Yeah. Um, and then they have to jack and him off. And then they have to <laughs> have to jack him off and kiss him on the lips. Because <laughs> of course that's how it goes. They stop just short of actually showing you the weird toad wizard's penis, of course. <laughs> yes, which is why at some point we should watch um, Grimsby, the Sasha Baron Cohen comedy. Oh, does, which... does he in that? Does he go to see a toad wizard? And has to... <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is a movie that does not have any qualms about showing disgusting animalistic penises. Um, oh, lovely! I will say, no, I will say no more. Worse than a minotaur's to... penis hang around your neck. <laughs> yeah, we we do need to watch Grimsby at some point, or the Brothers Grimsby, or whatever it's called. Um, but but that, that that when that scene happened, it kind of made me think: this is the idiot modern version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, isn't it? Yes. Where rather than the absurdist comedy of Monty Python, what they've done is they've taken um, Pineapple Express. And which is written by the same that, guy. Which is written by the same guy and uh, not or directed by the same guy. Um, and turn that into... Directed by the same a guy. A fantasy. Right. and Yeah, turn that into a fantasy movie. Um, so it's kind of like the modern, less good version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, where they take the comedy stylings of the time and 
give it a give it a fantasy setting. Yeah, um, as much as I don't want to support the work of Jonathan Cheese, who we've spoken about on this show recently, <laughs> Monty Python and the Holy Grail is extremely funny, and I think I haven't watched it in a long time, but I think it holds up very well. Because of all the just really out there ridiculous stuff, like using the coconuts Absolutely. to make it sound like a horse, and he is brave, Sir Robin, brave, Sir. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think you say knee. I think having because I rewatch Monty Python stuff every so often. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it, and and through a modern lens, the TV show sometimes a bit hit and miss, which makes sense because it was them finding their feet and and the budget limitations and everything like that. But when you look at the, that trio of movies where you've got Holy Grail, you've got Life of Brian, and you've got The Meaning of Life, yeah, um, they ho- they still hold up incredibly well. They're so funny, and for me at least, Holy Grail is the best of the three. Um, I think there's there's this timeless, hilarious quality to it, which you know I could rewatch that movie at any given moment. I don't think that's the same with Your Highness. No, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. But that context is important because I think fantasy stuff doesn't get sent up enough, does it? So I'm glad no, that this film exists, no. and I think what it's trying to do comes from a good place and a place that is needed. And I would like to see more of this kind of like parody fantasy stuff doing it in a silly way yeah i i i I think when it works well it does work well i don't know if you ever watched um disenchanted is it called is that the new disney the new mac the new mac graining show the new mac graining animated show no i thought that looked i think it's i know the one you mean it might not be called that it might be called something else but disenchantment It's, it's called disenchantment i think that's what it's called disenchanted is a new disney film is that the enchanted sequel yeah yeah um yeah disenchantment um which is hit and miss sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but where it works at sending up fantasy tropes it does it so well and it's really funny and you know i i i like it when places do uh a, a fantasy thing which isn't trying to be convoluted political nonsense but it's still sort of aimed at an adult audience um like i think it can it can work really well and i wish we got more of it you know um the conan the barbarian and and conan the destroyer movies from the 80s i love um as relatively po-faced action movies but fun action movies there's nothing in there about you know, Game of Thrones-esque, oh, we must spend two episodes talking about politics and how I'm obviously going to betray you. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I just can't watch Games of the Throne. It's just too too much. It's a guy wearing a loincloth lobbing off people's heads. That's what I want from fantasy. And I don't know if you ever saw the the more recent adaptation of Conan with um, Jason Momoa. No, but that looks awesome. Which... The first half of it is amongst my favourite fantasy stuff ever. It is just ridiculous, fun nonsense. And then it kind of peters out in the second half and gets a bit slow and gets a bit obvious. Um, but it's still worth watching. It's it's It deserved to do far better than it did. Um, I love Jason Momoa. Oh my God, we saw so a trailer good. for something with Jason Momoa that recently that looked absolutely ridiculous. And I can't remember what it was. Keep talking, and it will come to me. <laughs> was it? Was it? Was it the sort of Christmassy movie that was on Netflix? Yes, that's right. Yeah, he's playing yeah, some kind of really Christmas wizard. 
Yeah, I I didn't watch it, but it looked it looked quite good fun. Christmas Wizard starring Jason Momoa. That's the one. <laughs> Which maybe maybe we should maybe we should um maybe Slumberland we should next year. Slumberland, yeah. Yeah. One one of our fake big boys movies was had Jason Momoa, wasn't it that he ran a it was two people running rival bakeries or yeah. something like that. <laughs> This was our improving on one of the Princess Switch ones, probably, by adding <laughs> Possib- Jason Momoa. Possibly. No, possibly, this yeah. is um, an ad. It's based on the comic strips Little Nemo and Slumberland, very early comic books. Ah, um, okay. It actually looks really interesting and fun and silly, and we should probably watch it. We should do, yeah. At some point next, um, if if it is a Christmas movie, let's let's pencil it in for next next year. I don't Christmas think it comics. is a Christmas movie. I think it's just there. Oh, okay, brilliant. I think we could watch it whenever. Whenever yeah, we, we should, want. We, we should watch it whenever we want. Um but going <laughs> going back Sorry. to your highness. Um your it highness does not have has Jason some, Momoa in it, therefore it, not out of twenty. <laughs> therefore not worth watching. Um this 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 movie also is is aimed at a sort of adult audience. There's bits of fun gore in it, and I wish we got more of that silly nonsense as well. Yeah. Um that, that towards the end it does get you know, sort of into violent fantasy and there's bits and pieces in between. And that, that actually plays into the humour really well. This, it, this movie, what they should have done with this film is, and if I won the Euro Millions, for instance, and I had an obscene amount of money, I'd put 50 million of that towards making a movie like this. And what I'd do is I'd go to somebody like... um the Rusty Quill podcast, for instance, which is a comedy tabletop RPG podcast. Basically, they play um, Pathfinder, um, right. and they're they're all very funny people, and they do sort of like a comedy version of that. And what I'd say is, I've got fifty million pounds. Let's make a movie of the first arc of your tabletop RPG, where funny stuff happens because it's all based on chance of rolling the dice correctly. Like the inevitable um, movie of the Adventure Zone. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's going to happen at some point. Adventure Zone's a really other good example, and that and that's what this movie kind of feels like. Is it could have been a, a a silly comedy based on a bunch of people playing a tabletop game together, and there you can get those moments of unexpected comedy. Whereas here, because it's tied to having those tropes that are in stoner comedies or in bro frat comedies, that withholds it from reaching its potential. So when it has those moments which are kind of unexpected, like when Natalie Portman throws a spear through the bad guy when they're fighting in the yeah. arena out of nowhere, <laughs> like that's sort of like, oh yeah, that's a really funny moment. That bad guy was was great. I, I really enjoyed that, just as a kind of pure fantasy thing, not even as a comedy thing. He had a cauldron where he put his hand in and then it became a hydra inside the arena and then his face fell in it when he died and his huge face came up in the arena. I thought that was awesome. Just as a kind of a general a, thing, I loved that. That's a really, that's a really clever like, idea. That could that have been idea. awesome. Yeah, like that. That in 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 you know in a in a straight fantasy movie would be awesome. You know that that would be really great. And there's there's moments of creativity like that scattered in this film which really work, but it's held back by those limitations. And I realised I forgot to mention why Natalie Portman is in this movie. Um, yes, are you ready? Me. I'm ready. <laughs> Um, she only did this film because there was some uncertainty about whether black swan would get made what 
um, they were they weren't sure whether Black Swan was going to get greenlit by a major studio. So what she did was talking with the people who were going to make Black Swan. She said, "Right, okay, well, I can take on this piece of shit comedy film and take a load of money from it, and then that can help finance Black Swan if we need it to." Blimey. Um, so what happened was Black Swan then got greenlit, but she was already contracted to do this movie. <laughs> so then she also had to do this film. Um, and that that's why... Um, so what you're saying is this this film paid for Black Swan? It, it could have paid for Black Swan. So Black Swan did eventually get greenlit, but if it hadn't got greenlit... I'm just going to take that as this film lined the pockets of Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> and therefore, because of this film, there is a direct through line to Mother. <laughs> oh God, I forgot all about Mother! Um, <laughs> which I have not seen and will which never I see. have seen and will not watch again um, it's too smart for my my Neanderthal brain um, <laughs> but, uh, well if it's anything like Black Swan it thinks it's very smart but actually is not yeah Black, Black Swan's fine but you're right that it feels like it, it it thinks more of itself than there really is there um, I think is the, is the polite way to put it um, but <laughs> But yeah, so that's why that's why well, she that's ended funny. up in this movie. Which, given the circumstances, her performance is pretty, pretty good. She's great. Yeah, yeah. She brings she breathes some life into it actually because she doesn't really appear until about halfway through the film, just when it is starting to feel a bit stale. So she does help to carry yeah, it along. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and her character is extremely serious all the time, and I think that's the kind of character that that this movie kind of needed was that serious element with all of these people that are clearly stifling last behind their wacky performances. Um, whereas she's extremely po-faced and is, like I said, she's the, the badass, tough female character. Oh, you wouldn't expect that from a woman, would you? Um, no. and, and really leans And they sort of that. make that joke, don't they? Yeah. As a, yeah. In a self-aware way, but where it's still a bit tedious. Yeah, they, they definitely recognise that trope and they, they, they poke at it, which is good. Um, but yeah, it's still, they, again, they could have maybe gone a little bit further with it. Um, in, in terms of other bits though, that are funny, it's, it's worth pointing out there are bits of humor in this movie. This isn't just a joyless dirge of, of pot jokes. Um, but there, there are bits in it that are funny. I really enjoyed at the end where they hire that really tough looking barbarian guy who then steps on a trap and instantly dies. (laughs) And he says, um, Right out of the gate after the guy's been impaled on the gate. Yes. That that made me laugh a lot. Yeah. Um it's uh it's yeah, that that's really great. Um The funniest moments are when like someone actually responds to something absurd by admitting that it's absurd. Like when he starts like the like a bit of a bar fight to try and get the compass back off Natalie Portman, who just pulls a guy off the stool and the guy goes, What the fuck? <laughs> in a way that like really made me laugh. Yeah. And that's kind of the reaction to that's the appropriate reaction to the things in fantasy that are stupid and absurd that absurd and that deserve to be sent up. Right? Yeah, exactly. Those kind of things are really good. Um, there's also some lines in this that are, that really made me laugh as well. I really enjoyed um, the evil wizard and the trio of witches. Um, Justin through constantly referring to the to the. I better explain this actually. The reason that Justin Theroux has um has kidnapped Zoe Deschanel's character. The reason that Louis Theroux has has kidnapped Zoe Deschanel. The reason that his wizard doesn't jiggle jiggle. 
<laughs> um, the, yeah, the, the reason why... I'm down with trends. You are down with trends. I was Eighth most used sound on TikTok. I was very yeah. excited that it had a resurgence because it's one of my favourite Weird Weekends episodes, that one. It's a great <laughs> episode. Um, but yeah, the reason that he's kidnapped Zoe Deschanel is that there's a prophecy where he's going to um, sire a dragon baby... <laughs> And use that to take over the world. Um, and uh, this is referred to by him and um, the witches as the fuckening. Yeah, that's, that is very <laughs> And the silly. way that Justin Threw delivers that dialogue all the way through. And again, it's partly because he's very, very funny and very good in this movie. If it was in the hands of someone less credible... It probably wouldn't work as well, but the way that he goes, the fuckening has begun, and things like that. And he says it a lot. It's very funny. Um, There's also, and again, it it comes down to the performance, is um, Natalie Portman's character is actually on the same quest as the others to stop this from happening, and she delivers with a straight face, it is my legacy to stop anyone who wants to fuck to make dragons. (laughs) And that that line of dialogue (laughs) had had me absolutely laughing. So there's those moments like that, that that are great. That the 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 inn that they stop in at called being called the horse piss inn. Bit bits <laughs> and pieces like that. Um That's on the level of Holmes and yeah, Watson. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it? Where where it gets onto the Holmes and Watson level of of absurd, stupid humour, where it almost becomes like sorry to get pretentious, but it almost becomes like Dardaist in its approach. Yeah. That's when it really works. That's the thing about stoner comedies, isn't it? You feel like they're really aiming for Dadaism, but they don't quite get there most of the time. Yeah, it's all far too restricted to the tropes of the genre. And and I think those tropes are all set around people are going to get stoned or get drunk and watch this, and then they're going to laugh at it. Yeah. Um, and I imagine people did, and they had a great time. So there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, not, not too many people had a great time with this film. It is a box office failure. Um, only made half of its money back. Um, on a budget of 50 million it made back 28 million um and uh, obviously faded into obscurity pretty quickly which is why yeah, you never is, ever hear about this film and, and there's an obvious reason for that which is which is why we decided to cover it on this podcast because we know we know how the seo hits we know that th- yeah this movie is due a resurgence this is going to be blowing up on tiktok shortly yeah, absolutely. It's going to be absolutely. all Danny McBride like hoofing a Minotaur's penis over his head or whatever. <laughs> or just Charles Dance walking into a um, room with beautiful hair. I mean, I mean, there are moments that are sort of meme-worthy that you could see maybe if this had been released five years later could have been picked up. Like um, when James Franco and um, Damien Lewis are having a fight, uh, James Franco shouting, we used to have fucking picnics together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's moments like that that are truly, truly funny. When his character first walked on screen, I thought it was Ben Wishaw. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's because we've been watching a lot of Paddington, and the new Paddington oh, yeah, cartoon is yeah. voiced by him as well as the films. Oh, really? That's good. Yeah, that's good. I love him. I'm so pleased that he's had a um, a career beyond Nathan, Nathan Barley. Barley. <laughs> Which is where yeah. I think we were both introduced to him. Yes. But, um, have you seen the the Doctor TV show that he's been in? No, that's um, this based is, on this the is book. going to hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The very it's really successful book. 
and it's really really good well worth watching oh, um, right. difficult check it out. difficult at times but um and he's he's fantastic in it um so um yeah it's it's been gr- so great to see him get the deserved success that he's had um and those paddington movies are wonderful yeah they're lovely you know basically um a wes anderson movie for kids yeah <laughs> um but it's 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 so they're so lovely they're such nice little films are they going to do a third one do you know they must do surely that's out there in the orbit you'd have thought so given how successful they've been yeah but um, who knows Wes Anderson's yeah. busy. He made that one with all the talking dogs, and then that killed his. He career, did. I love, I love dogs. I love dogs. I, love dogs. I, I quite want to see that actually. Yeah, it looks fun. It looks fun. One one thing I think we've talked about this before is, I would love Wes Anderson to make a horror movie. Yes, we have talked about. Imagine, this, we? imagine that visual style, but put on a horror film. I would really love to see that. Um, or a fantasy movie. Imagine a proper high fantasy film made by Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson's Conan the Barbarian. Can you imagine the castles, man? Just imagine yeah. how big the, the castles would be. Uh, that, that, that's what we need. One thing that's um, kind of disappointed me, kind of excited me... The Grand Middle-Earth Hotel. It, you know, oh, yeah. it just writes itself, doesn't it? Yeah. I actually really want that now. I'm going to call him up. Yeah. Listen, listen, Wes, or Wes, as the <laughs> oh, yeah. Americans call you. I know you listen Wes- every week. <laughs> Wesmond, as Wesmond. Which is his full name, of course. <laughs> I thought it was Wesley, like the Dread Pirate Roberts. <laughs> Wessington. Um, yeah, we, we, we know you're a big fan of the podcast. How's about this? How about you make your highness too? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to have any of the original cast if you don't want them. I know you, I know you have your guys. It doesn't even need to be attached to the plot of the first one. I know, obviously, Owen Wilson's going to be in it. Of course, of course. Um, What was I saying before this? Um, Oh, yeah. um, So, you know Ari Aster, who did Hereditary and Midsummer. Yes. He has just released a trailer for his new movie, which is called Bo is Afraid. Um, And it looks good. It looks good. It's like a surreal comedy sort of thing um it's got Joaquin Phoenix in it Nathan Lane Amy Ryan Parker Posey it's got a really good cast all right but there's a little twinge in the back of my in the back of my heart that's like oh, it's not a it's not a proper horror movie and I'm gonna miss his voice being put to horror movies because I love his other horror films so much and I just hope that at some point he returns to horror but it's got me thinking, okay, he's he's making this surreal comedy film. How about he makes a fantasy movie? Yeah, absolutely. That would be cool. Like, um, Midsommar is not just one of the best horror films I've ever seen, but one of the best films, I think, ever. It's yeah, one of my yeah. favourite films ever. It's fantastic. And, like, a fantasy movie done in that kind of style? Oh, can you imagine? It would be amazing. And, and, and I think that's something that I... I'm really surprised and disappointed that we didn't get off the back of Lord of the Rings is that actually the Lord of the Rings movies, Peter Jackson's got a real unique style to those. And we didn't get places trying to do proper fantasy movies off the back of that, really. No, if anything, I think... It it never really happened. There wasn't anything that big, as big as that in fantasy until Game of Thrones, right? And now everyone's trying to imitate that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're right, everyone's now trying to do 
Game of Thrones-y style stuff, um, which I think is detrimental to it. And and you've got things like The Witcher now. Um, you've got things like The Lord of the Rings TV show. You've got the new Dungeons and Dragons movie, which looks, which awesome. looks fantastic. It Our looks man so from Bridgerton silly. looking really. very confused on the poster. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I showed that so to I'm excited for that. just rolled her eyes. <laughs> She's not going to accompany you to the cinema to go and see it then. No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but I'm excited for that in the future. But again, the issue is it all kind of looks like generic high fantasy stuff. Yeah. Not even in line with the the uniqueness that the Lord of the Rings movies had. Even that's been toned down from what I've seen of the Lord of the Rings TV show. I've watched a couple of episodes of it, and it doesn't doesn't want my critique of it. Isn't that oh, they've recast Galadriel, or oh, there's black hobbits. What is this? Oh, there's a female dwarf. Mm. Um, the my the thing that is jarring for me is that it doesn't feel like the same universe as the way that. Peter Jackson expertly depicted Lord of the Rings in the trilogy, which is how it felt to me when I was reading the books as a kid. So what you're saying is that Your Highness is actually a groundbreaking work in the fantasy genre because it's not that, is it? Yeah, it's a it is a unique voice in fantasy. I think that that is that is true. An avant-garde um, masterpiece. <laughs> you can put that on your poster for your movie from 2011, guys. Um, <laughs> Which loads of people are watching now, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but I do think I do think that's a problem with the current crop of fantasy stuff that's coming out is that none of it has a unique voice, and maybe that's why stuff like the Adventure Zone was picked up the popularity that it did mm. is that that actually did feel kind of unique and did its own thing in an interesting way yeah and as sen is a love letter to fantasy and also tabletop rpg gaming but in a way that does send it up as well in a really hilarious laugh out loud way yeah yeah absolutely and so like i'd like to see more things like that actually get a proper you know popular release um, or or people like Ari Aster or Wes Anderson. Yeah. And I know we're talking ridiculous with those two examples here. Or maybe not with Ari Aster. You never know where he's going to go at some point in the future. But I'd love people that have that real unique take on direction to pick up and run with fantasy and do something unique with fantasy. Mm. Tell an original story or adapt something older which has never been adapted. Like, it, it still pains me that the... Um, Studio Ghibli adaptation of Earthsea was so bad. Yeah. Because they could have just taken the first Earthsea novel and that would be a perfect Ghibli movie. That would be so good. It's a weird one, that one, if I remember rightly. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I don't think I hated it, but it was, it's just very odd. It, and it all like over stitches the place. together the whole trilogy to make a unique ish story that doesn't work. Yeah. And the, the pacing's all off and it's weird, whereas you could just take the first book particularly given that everyone hates J.K. Rowling now and and people don't necessarily want to do Harry Potter-related stuff in terms of further development at the moment. Lars von Trier in the Chamber of Secrets is what you're saying. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Why not give Ari Aster... Um, why not give Ari Aster... Maybe this is a terrible idea, but give him Earthsea. Yes. To make no, no, Earthsea I, I, would, I think that could work really well. Or actually, given how well James Cameron loves water, I think he is part dolphin. 
give James Cameron it and give him a writer who comes up with something weird and unique to to actually properly depict it. Is that's the kind of thing we need is we need that kind of unique take and maybe it means doing things outside of the norms. Yeah. Cuz I'd I love mean, to Guy see Ritchie's more interesting fantasy. What's, what's that sorry? Guy Ritchie's King Arthur exists. I've still not seen it. But. We should watch that at some point because that is sort of what I'm talking about is it's a failure but at least it's doing something kind of interesting with it doing something in a different way where it's a a cheeky gang of boys in in a fantasy setting you know <laughs> what more could you want that's what your highness is trying to be but it doesn't get there yeah yeah and I, I i wish this movie was was as good as it could have been and it's got those little spots of stuff which are good but in between it all is just the the junk and it's yeah. hard to get over that junk a lot of it is just kind of throwaway junk, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the problem, isn't it? But as you say, it's it's opened it's opened my eyes. There's a lot more stuff that I want now in terms of just cool directors doing fantasy stuff. I mean, they yeah, like, they've killed uh, J.K. Rowling has killed the fran- the Fantastic Beasts franchise, but there are still two movies that need to be made that aren't going to get made. If she was willing to just completely sign off, which she never would, do a kind of George Lucas and just kind of completely give it to someone else, you know, then we could have, I don't know, Michelle Gondry's Fantastic Beasts mm. or, you know, something like that. Yeah, or um, um, or Luke Besson. Swiss, Swiss like Army Man, the Swiss Army Man directors. Daniels. Who did, who did um, yeah, Dan and Dan. Yeah. Um, who did everything everywhere all at once. Give them a fantasy. I want to see that. I've not seen that. How yeah, I've not watched it yet either. Um but give give them a fantasy film. Release it via A twenty four. It would make all the money in the world. Yeah. Swiss Army Man, I'm gonna say as well, is one of my all time favourite films and is underrated. It's I, so weird. <laughs> it's one of the weirdest films you will ever see, but it has so much heart, man. It manages yeah. to tug the heartstrings whilst uh, I, yeah. I wasn't as keen on it as you at first watch, but I'm not going to deny that it's stuck in my head since then. And every so often I think about it. and It just comes it. up, doesn't it, in your yeah. head? Yeah. Like, I, I still enjoyed it, I remember, when we when we did watch it for the podcast. But I, I didn't love it. But now I think I probably do love it, <laughs> if, if that makes sense. Just every so often it comes up and I think, oh, yeah, that was really cool and really strange. Um, but, yeah, give, give, give them a proper, like, high fantasy movie and let them do something weird with it. Yeah. It would be so cool. Weirdness is good. And there's actually not really any weirdness in Your Highness, is there? Which is unfortunate because it's a good opportunity for some proper weirdness. Yeah, the the only bits of weird you get are like the yellow goop Hydra Man. Yeah. Which, which, which works. They could have been weirder with it and it probably would have been a better film. Yeah. He's all right. Yeah, I liked him. And I, I liked his performance. He felt like a, a Mad Max villain. Just so over the top and screamy. <laughs> It was it was great. Um, so yeah, that that kind of thing is so cool. I mean, I know you hate him, but Quentin Tarantino doing a uh, an eighty style um, fantasy like dark fantasy violent movie like Conan or Red Sonja that would be really good as well. Now that's where someone... I draw the line. <laughs> just because it's happening. him. Just because it's, it's him. him. No, it would just be people walking into forests and saying lines that they want people to quote. That's true. Maybe, doing maybe if it was Inglorious Bastards era Quentin Tarantino rather than modern era Quentin Tarantino, I'd be okay with it. 
And then there'd be a really violent sword fight for half an hour. Yeah, and I'm down. So I'm down blood with everywhere. The, <laughs> I'm d- I'm down with the really violent sword fight. Yeah. Um, it's just that everything leading up to it that I th- I'm yeah. Now that you've said it, because the last couple of movies he's made have just been talking for a very long time. And yeah, yeah. I don't really like talking. I just want no. wizards and sword fights. Give me what we need is. I think we we've talked about this before. On this, this is very early on in this podcast where we were talking about Harry Potter and how actually everyone got Harry Potter wrong. To defeat Voldemort, you don't need to have a wizard fight with your wand. You need your wand in one hand and a big hammer in the other, and then you get close enough to him and bash his skull in. Yeah, which we talked about very early on is actually that's how you defeat. <laughs> that's how you defeat evil wizards. Is yeah, you, you you have your casting magic and you're doing your whole, ah, I'm shooting yellow and you're shooting red because you're the bad guy or whatever it is in Harry Potter. It's green. It's, green is the bad one in Harry Potter, isn't it? The, yeah. The evil yeah. green. Um, no, you just you just get close enough to bash their head in. And and that's what I want to see in a fantasy movie is like an evil wizard going, ha, 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 I've, I'm raising my army of skeletons. And then just a barbarian with a big hammer just goes, bonk. And maybe that's, <laughs> that's what the we end, need. That's how Wizard Cop meets his untimely end. That's true, yeah. Maybe he just comes up against a really angry barbarian. When the franchise has finally run its course, you know, five to six <laughs> movies in, you know, Wizard Cop Wizard, 6, Wizard Cop direct seven. to Netflix, Wizard Cop 7, so straight to VHS release, um, you know, Wizard Cop it's our third, bad Wizard <laughs> stuff. Our, our third recast of Wizard Cop. Adam Driver yeah, dropped yeah. out after the first two. Yeah, he's too busy shooting dinosaurs in space. That's fine. We, res- we respect his wishes. <laughs> we respect that. We respect he's been replaced by... Who's who's cheap? <laughs> well, um, well, um, Henry Cavill's been replaced by the lesser Hemsworth, hasn't, hasn't he? Oh, really? In, in The Witcher. Um, sounds as though Henry Cavill was not happy with the artistic license they were taking with the subject matter. So he's just oh, right. bailed. Interesting. Um, and... Um, so what you know what he's doing next? What? Warhammer. No way. Yeah, he's going to be doing Warhammer stuff with Amazon. And at the moment it's up in the air if it's going to be movies or a TV show, but that's that's uh, I that's think it's cool. Amazon, maybe it's Netflix, but one of them. He that's what he's moving on to. Um which is amazing. <laughs> so yeah, at some point we're going to get a, a Warhammer adaptation, which is going to be hilarious. Um Okay, so we replace Adam Driver with Will from the Inbetweeners. And then <laughs> the very end of the last film, Jason Momoa just comes up behind him and whacks him on the head with a hammer. He dies instantly. Yeah, we, 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 we give a good 50% of the budget to get Jason Momoa in just for a single a single scene, one line of dialogue at the end, and then that's it. Yeah, you that's killed my father, now you must die. Bonk on the head, <laughs> he dies. He's done, yeah. But, but yeah, I think we, there was a serious point at some point at the beginning of this discussion. I think... Yeah, doing unexpected things with fantasy. I think there's a lot. It's one of those genres which really hasn't been explored through that um, unexpected lens. Like Game of Thrones sort of does it, but it doesn't really because all of the twists and stuff are just things based on history. And you see those twists coming a mile off. Yeah, and it's really interesting. And actually, I've 
recently been flicking through this book I read a while, a while ago about writing science fiction and fantasy because I've been sort of trying to write fantasy on and off for years um, by Adam Roberts. He's a really, really great sci-fi and fantasy author. And it's a fantastic book. Of, like, if you want a guide to how to write SFF, like, it's a really good book. Mm. Um, and a lot of it, it talks about, you know, tropes and genres and there's so much kind of embedded stuff in fantasy that I think people expect that but also when it's subverted people like that as well you know it's so yeah. easy yeah. to draw on all those tropes and I've, I'm start, I've kicked into a good I've had started the year quite well I've got 500 words every day I'm getting this down but I'm so conscious in this like fantasy thing that I'm creating of not conforming to genre that I worry that I'm almost going too far the other way and throwing in too much weird shit but I think that's good and I think for the first draft I'm going to throw all the weird shit at the wall see what sticks and then the second draft I'm just going to kind of really pare it down but with films, Absolutely. it's quite hard to do that, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think I think that's completely right. When you look at fantasy fiction, a lot of the time, the most exciting fantasy books are those ones which go into the weird or play with those tropes or take those tropes and put them in at a different angle. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but one of my favourite fantasy books is um, is basically it's a it's an adventuring party 20 years later and they're getting the band back together like it's a uh, a rock band reunion and that's right. kind of the framing device of the whole book and it's really funny and like adventuring bands are seen like rock bands and so these guys were the rolling stones back in the day but now they're coming up against one direction and stuff like right. that and it, it's really well done it's really clever and people that can do that kind familiar. of stuff it's really good. I can't remember the name of it, but if you if you search for that, it will come up. Um, or stuff like The Lies of Locke Lamora, which is a really great series of um, fantasy books where the main characters are all the rogue character. They're, they're, it's this band of yeah. thieves. That kind of thing you can do. You can do really interesting stuff with fantasy fiction, but it seems as though video games movies haven't caught up with the fact that actually you can do things in a subversive way effectively yeah and there are so many there are so many people out there writing amazing fantasy fiction that's really mm. um you know breaking new ground but yeah you're right in in film and games i think it's it's tough for games as well is a, a, a tough one where people just expect the same thing over and over yeah and 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 there's some companies that and I'm not saying that that like my deepest desire for video games isn't just another 2D Castlevania that's exactly like Symphony <laughs> of the Night because that is exactly what I want, or a Zelda that isn't an open world and that is just a linear adventure. Like those are my two greatest desires from video games. So I'm the problem. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. That's the meme now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, one thing I'll say is um, the latest Zelda, whatever it was called, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild. I, I tried I couldn't get into it man. and I felt so deeply sad within myself that I couldn't enjoy it but it was exhausting I played it for like six hours and I'd gotten nowhere all I'd done was like walk up hills the big problem with it for me that killed it for me was weapon degradation where your weapons would break all the fucking yeah, time that was really annoying and that I don't know why they made that decision it really killed the game for me um zelda fans are going to come for us by the way was it because dark souls did it uh no i don't think dark souls has rep weapon deck i don't know um but it yeah that really yeah zelda fans are going to come for us now by the way the, the most yeah, the most yeah. angry video game fan base on the internet they're going to be livid with us um but but dark souls is a really good example of actually a video game that does 
fantasy in a different way and has found huge success mm. with it where it's this dark fantasy world your player character is very vulnerable the structure of it is like a metroidvania where you're unlocking pathways back and repeating sections and things like that it that did things in a different way and it found huge success with it so actually you know that's a case study of actually video games you can do it differently and have great success and I think mm. movies need and there's to a reason it's such an influential game yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um and you know movies need to catch up and, and recognize that and do things differently as well no matter who stars in it <laughs> yeah get 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 Jason Momoa or no Jason Momoa get Danny McBride back in for Dark Souls the movie Danny McBride he's one of those guys who's in loads of stuff I just haven't seen that looks silly yeah like you know if you if you could think of a guy who's in like the Angry Birds movie and Sausage Party and a bunch of stuff that I'm just never gonna watch he's the guy <laughs> what's, what's, he's had such a weird varied career as well um as Danny McBride he's he writes the Halloween movies with um the director of your highness um uh what's his name David Gordon Green yeah, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the new Halloween movies. They've got progressively worse as they as they've got on, but the first the not. first of them is genuinely a really great slasher movie, um, and they've just got a little bit over clever for their own good as they've gone on. Um, but but he's he's done all sorts of different bits of writing um, over the years as well. Obviously, he co-wrote Your Highness. <laughs> um, maybe not his maybe not his greatest work. Um, but but then you look at some of the other stuff he's done, like um, he was in an Alien movie, for instance. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, he was in the most recent Alien film, Alien Covenant, um, which is, he's not got a comedic role in that. He's the he's the sort of sassy pilot of the ship. Um, See, that sounds good. Yeah, it's, it's the... Alien Covenant is sort of the worst Alien film, but it's an awful lot more fun than prometheus which came before it right um so it's worth watching it's it's an enjoyable trashy sci-fi horror movie where all of the characters make terrible decisions constantly um i think there's like two characters in the movie that make the right call (laughs) and and that's it um but he's also been um he's also written he created the righteous gemstones which i've not seen but i've heard really good things about What's um, that? Which is like a sort of um, comedy series about a televangelist family. Oh, okay. Um, which um, also stars him. It stars John Goodman, and it stars um, I'm Fat Now Man, Adam Devine. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm listening. That um, sounds good. It's apparently it's apparently really good. It's been been yeah. So he's had a really varied career, and I think maybe we're going to get a Danny McBride resurgence. Ah, oh, he's in Eastbound and Down, which is a baseball yes, thing yeah. that my neighbour told me to watch years ago, and I haven't watched it. Sorry, um, which was also co-written and created with the other writer of um, of uh, of Your Highness, who unfortunately died a couple of years ago. I yeah, I saw. I don't know if it was um, COVID. R.I.P. Yeah, no, no idea. Um, but yeah, R.I.P. But yeah, apparently that's that's good. He's bound and down. That's obviously not my thing because it's about the sport that you love, <laughs> <laughs> the bad sport, the boring sport, <laughs> the, the 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 chill out and and it goes on for three hours sport. Yeah, which to be fair, it's 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 got good vibes. Does our baseball? The drink a lot of beer and eat some nachos out of a hat sport. Yeah, uh, I think. 
I, I had the baseball video game to review last year, and it was really oh MLB a the relaxing show? game. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's, it's a really relaxing game, and actually, it felt the tactile nature of the game was brilliant. Um, so yeah, maybe I should get into just putting on some baseball in the background whilst I do other things and not you really paying attention. Spring, the spring training games will start in a few weeks and those are usually at UK friendly times as well, which is good because ah, they, they play at like midday in Florida. So it's like five or 6 PM here. One thing I would point out about Danny McBride is that he is in the movie Hot Rod. What Have you ever seen the film Hot Rod? Rod? No. Is that a biography of Guy Fieri? <laughs> he could play Guy <laughs> no. Fieri, don't you think? He could play Guy Fieri. Um, no, it's uh, Andy Samberg stars as a wannabe stuntman. And it's sort of like Anchorman meets... Um, the the sort of general vibe is Anchorman meets um, Napoleon Dynamite meets Lonely Island. Okay. It's a, it, it's very, very funny. He's got a terrible mustache in the movie. And, and the, the main sort of subplot of it is well the main plot is that Andy Sandberg's trying to save his stepdad who needs an operation and the stepdad's played by Ian McShane and they despise each other so Andy Sandberg is just like I'm gonna fucking kill you and the whole point that the whole reason that he's trying to save him is that Ian McShane will never consider him a man until he beats him in a fist fight right so it's like I'm gonna get you your new heart and then I'm gonna beat you up (laughs) It's genuinely extremely funny. It's got an amazing cast again. It's got Andy Samberg, Isla Fisher, Ian McShane, Danny McBride is one of Andy Samberg's gang. Of right. um, he, he's like the the like mechanic or something like that, if I remember correctly. Um, but also like Bill Hader, Will Arnett. Um, it's it's one of those underrated sort of comedies from that era, a bit like. Um, wet hot american summer all right yeah that kind of went under the radar but actually is very funny so yeah that's another one he's he's been in good stuff alongside sausage party (laughs) yeah (laughs) i didn't hate him in this i thought his performance was fine you know as the kind of the central he's what you'd expect from the central guy from this kind of stuff yeah yeah exactly exactly he's he's fine um i think the problem is that he has to carry a lot of the burden of the less funny bits yeah um, and and that's that's the real problem. And he's just doing the same thing over and over in every scene. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and also, we don't we don't like the the occasional. There's there's bits of homophobia in here. Yeah, yeah. So often, some stuff that does would have been dated even in 2011 when it came out. And, yeah, yeah. yeah it, w- it would have still been unfunny at that point. This feels like um, it should have come out in like 2002. Yeah, it, this is a movie that basically feels like it would have come out of the same era as, you know, those American Pie, the movies after American Pie. Yeah. That kind of era. And I was watching this um, thinking, 14-year-old me would have loved this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, that that's when it should have come out. But it feels, it does feel dated because of those elements of the comedy. And actually, the sillier it gets, the better it gets. So it's just a shame that it wasn't, Holmes and Watson, basically. That's yeah. what we needed. I just want every film to be Holmes and Watson. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what we need. We should all all, all strive for Holmes and Watson. Yep. Um, yeah, just a couple of other things I wanted to mention is at the very beginning, there's like a warlock who immediately gets killed. That was Julian Rhine-Tut. <laughs> yes, it was. That was very good. <laughs> um, 
And what else was I going to say? I'm just look, looking at my notes. Naked Manas, the cauldron was kind of cool. I mentioned that. The guy pulled off the stool. I think I think that was it. I think I think that was all I had to say about it. Did you have any any anything else to say? Any trivia or? Um, main trivia is that um, James Franco hates this movie, which makes me like it a little bit more. Yep, definitely. Um, he he did not enjoy this, and I think he's referred to it as his least favorite film that he's made. Um, <laughs> all the more reason to like me, it then. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> makes me like it a little bit more, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that that that's basically that's basically it from me. Cool. Um, so how are we how are we going to rank this out of twenty then? Oh, let's see. How many? How many Minotaur cocks do you have on a <laughs> necklace around? Hung about your that person that you tried to yeah. give to Natalie Portman as a gift, which she refuses. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll give this an eight out of twenty. It's. I don't know that it's even quite halfway there because it just it does drag a bit, but I. I like that it exists. I like what it's trying to do. And there are some genuinely quite funny moments. It's just not quite there. It doesn't quite do it. Yeah. And I'm just going to go too higher and give it that Bon Jovi score. You'll you'll let it go. You'll give it a Bon Jovi. I'll give it a Bon Jovi. It's got halfway there for me. A 10 out, 10 out of 20 for me. But yeah, it's, it's a flawed movie, but there's moments that are good. And I just wish that, let, let's get someone else in to make a Your Highness remake. Yeah, come on, the, re- guys. the remake is going to happen. <laughs> or remake or yeah. sequel or prequel. Don't really mind. Yeah, whatever. Just just do it, and it doesn't even need to be attached in any way. No, I would like to get Justin <laughs> Theroux back, but but he died. So yeah. Oh no, I, that's what I was going to say. Something completely unrelated. Um, which is that, did you know in the Angry Birds movie, there's a scene where the Angry Birds drink urine from uh, like a lake of urine? No, is that a genuine thing? That's a genuine thing. And there's a podcast called The Angry Birds Drink Piss in the Angry Birds movie where they talk about it a lot, <laughs> which is quite funny. <laughs> That's very good. That's which is very yeah, good. almost like a kind of worse version of, of what we do. <laughs> <laughs> no, we talk about different films all the time, but yeah. We do. Just as we, there, there was a link. I finally, you know, almost three hundred episodes in, finally found a link to talk about the Angry Birds movie without us having to actually talk about the Angry Birds movie because I don't want to do that. That's very good. That's very good. And I also I'm wanted to give to a shout out to Rasmus Hardiker, who plays um, Courtney in this film, who is yes, like his um, yeah. servant guy. He was great, but I was watching it thinking mistakenly that he was one of the guys from The Big Bang Theory, and he's not. So I no. want to apologise to <laughs> no, Rasmus Hardiker. You should apologise for Fisi. And yeah, he's he's funny, and, and there's sort of a recurring joke throughout that he's going to die as a character, yeah. and and he doesn't, which is nice. And he's done a, a few voices on things that I've watched with my son, including he does a few voices on the recent Thomas the Tank Engine episodes, um, and also in Hilda and the Mountain King, which is um, oh, well, there we go, and yeah, an animated film based on the comics by Luke Pearson, which are really good as well. So he's big apparently shout out to he Rasmus voices Hardica. he voices people in the Thunderbirds reboot. Yeah. Ah. Oh, and I recognise him from. BBC comedies. He's been yeah. in Saxondale and Lead Balloon. Okay. Because I was thinking I recognised him, but I didn't look up where from. And he's also in Black Mirror. I'm sure I'm, I must have seen the episode of Black Mirror that he's in. Yeah, so he was he was great and brought some much-needed levity to it. Yes. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a good one. 
uh, I, I appreciated him in this. And good name as well, Rasmus Hardiker. That sounds like a fancy extremely name, good it? name. Yeah, they didn't even need to rename him, did they? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, what have we got next then? Well, I'm going to give you a choice of three directors, and then you can you can choose. I'm going to give you three big name blockbuster directors, and then you can choose one. And then I've got a film for each one. Oh, oh, okay. So James Cameron, mm-hmm. Luke Besson, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg. Who are you going for? Oh, tough choice. That is a tough choice. I think given what's going on right now with the movie that's making all the money, I think it needs to be James Cameron. Well, that's a good choice because what we're going to watch then is the the prequel to the movie that's making all the money, which is Avatar, because I've never seen it. Ah, so we're not going to talk oh, about yes, the new Yes, of course one. you've never watched it. No, no, no. Because no, no. I, 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 I have children. I can't go to the cinema. But like, You, ca- you can't yeah. go to the cinema for three hours to go and yeah. watch Avatar. <laughs> to go watch, yeah, a movie that's going to make me need to wee. <laughs> Every 10 it's minutes. just all water all the time yeah <laughs> but i want to watch the first one and then if it's good then i'll try and maybe we could do an episode about the tech the new one at another point oh there we go i don't think i've watched avatar since it came out you know i've always been so, i think even at the time i was very anti 3d glasses so i think i, I like kind of protested it by boycotting it but enough time has yeah. passed now that i i can watch it in 2d in the comfort of my own home so I think it's an important There's, cultural thing for us to address. There is one scene in Avatar that I'm very excited to to watch again, and I wonder if you will also pick up on my enjoyment okay. of this particular scene. That's a good. That's a good note. I'm going to be watching <laughs> out for that. Um, oh no, I'm excited. I've not watched this in well over a decade. When did it come out? Like 2010, 2009. I th- I feel like it's earlier than that. Avatar, 2009. Okay, you were you weren't far off. Yeah, so yeah, I've not, I've not, um, I don't think I've watched it since then. This is exciting. Ah, Avatar, let's go. I thought you were going to go for Luke Bessel. I think you know which film that was going to be, though, don't you? Was that going to be um, Galeria and the City of a Thousand Bullbags? (laughs) That's the one, yeah. (laughs) Is that what it, what's it called? Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Yeah, Yeah. which I do want to watch at some point. Maybe I'll choose that next. Maybe I'll choose that next because I do want to watch that. Yeah. Okay, we'll line that one up. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll do that at some point soon. Excellent. Well, I'm excited. Bit of bit of bit of blue men. Yeah, yeah, the blue man group, the movie. <laughs> Very exciting. Brilliant. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thanks a lot for tuning in. We really hope you enjoyed your highness. If you did watch it, if you didn't, I think it's still still worth your time, just as a kind of funny, light-hearted fantasy fantasy thing. Um, there is a link in our show notes where you can give us money like a virtual tip jar you can find us on twitter at bigboysdon'tpod you can email us bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com and we'll be back next week to talk about Avatar alrighty bye bye bye
the stars that shimmer in a distant sky And remnants of a world you knew before Remember back to days when you were indestructible I'm here to make you feel that way again All it takes is you to come and break these many chains At night come to my call and let me in And when the door is open I will take my time There are so many secrets here for me to find Yeah.